Well, we are going to do this uh, a mini series, a new mini series called This Time Tomorrow. I love this phrase, This Time Tomorrow, this new mini series. Because this time tomorrow is where the rubber really meets the road. This time tomorrow, you're not in this room. Some of us are in this room. We come in this room. Our janitor's in this room. Uh, Michael's office is right here. I'll swing by this room. But most of us aren't in this room tomorrow where we gather together as God's people with 100 or 200 or 300 after the morning's all said and done, 400 plus a couple hundred kids or uh, 100 or 125 kids. I mean, we have, there's 500 people here worshiping Jesus. I venture to guess that none of you are in this room or in that setting tomorrow. This time tomorrow is where sort of the faith rubber meets the road, doesn't it? And we kind of have this experience where we have this place where we come and we do our God thing and we're like, right, oh, this is, I love who I am in this place. I want to be this guy. I like being this guy with these thoughts and these beliefs and this peace and this encouragement from God. Like, like I love being here. But man, we have to keep talking about the reality. It is real tomorrow, that this time tomorrow is in a completely different experience. And if our faith doesn't translate to this time tomorrow, if we don't get to be that guy with that peace and with that kind of thinking and with that kind of understanding of God in our lives, with that kind of surrender to God, if this time tomorrow we're not those people, there's, we're missing something, right? There's sort of a world collision. Do you remember the Seinfeld reference of the world collision? If you don't, go look that up. It's hilarious. There's this world collision, and it can destroy us because we don't know who we are. My very first job in 1977, I was 15 years old. I took the 18, number 18 bus in Oakland, went all and transferred to different places and ended up an hour and 15-minute commute to a place where I pulled um, seals, uh, like automotive uh, seals, like O-rings, off the shelf and put them in a cart, and then we put them on boxes and shipped them to who knows where. I did that every day, all day, $2.35 an hour. It was my first job in 1977. I was a young Christian. I was working in a ministry program during the, uh, the um, it was a summer ministry program at my church in the evenings, and, and uh, we're preparing for a mission trip we were doing at the end of the year, so I was this young, fired-up Christian, and I got to this place, and it was this weird world collision because of the, the men that worked in the warehouse and the language that they used and the pictures that were up on the wall in the, in the men's bathroom, and all of the whole thing, I was like, whoa, what? Who am I? What? And you may remember that that's the infamous summer for me that um, on the first day when the, the boss introduced me to the warehouse guys, they got my name wrong and they called me Phil that first day. My name's Jeff. They called me Phil. But if you remember the story, I've shared it before, I, I didn't know how to correct them and so I didn't. So I spent the whole summer as Phil. <laughs> I just didn't know who I was in that setting. Like the real me wasn't showing up in the setting and I didn't really know how I was going to handle the collision of those two worlds. We're going to talk for the next few weeks about this idea of what's the this time tomorrow. I um, want to interview a couple people. Thank you, brother. Thank you for that. Man, you guys, I could not have uh, that, right? Give them some applause for that. That's, I, I couldn't have designed that better if I, you know, if I had really asked you guys to prepare. The, the breadth of stories and the kinds of things that we deal with are as unique to, uh, to um, each of us as our DNA is. And uh, that's the point of this series, is for us to stop and to look at where we are and to say, well, then how does my God come to meet me in the midst of where he has me? And for some of us, it's easier to understand that when someone has a job as a pastor or a therapist. I was going to come get Becky, who was up here just a minute ago. She's a nurse. Like, and I thought, no, that's too easy. It's too easy to connect the dots for some of us. Like, oh, we're helping heal people, right? And, and, but for the, 
for the rest of us, there's more of this sense of, all right, so how do my worlds collide? How is this the me that I am and the God that I believe in? How does God and work work? And so I want to talk just a few minutes this morning, and we're going to do this series just for three weeks, but this morning I just want to talk about the theology of work. How does God and work come together? How do we see those things crossing paths? And so a few key points when we consider the theology of work, and so uh, I'd like to, to walk through that with you. The, um, the, before I get into the theology of work, just to, just to by the way, uh, not everybody in this room works for a salary. I understand that. The, the theology of work is also the theology of you being at school and that being the task that God's given you. It's also the theology of you working at home, even though you're not paid for it, if you're an at-home mom or dad or parent. Uh, you are a, a, you're working at those things. It also occurred to me that there's, there's retired people in this room who are, this time tomorrow, have a job. This time tomorrow, have a sense of what God has for them and has to understand how God fits into their week next week. So it isn't just those of you that are getting paid to do a job, but, uh, and, or more than one job, but it's all of those things that, uh, that we uh, put our hands to during the week. So here's some points of theology. Um, and it's kind of in a phrase, and, and so um, I'll parse this phrase for you. The first part of it is I want you to know that God created work. That God created work. That's part of the theology of work, that God created work. I want to read from Genesis chapter 2, the very beginning of the story of God, the very beginning of the Bible. And starting, in, and there's, some, there's some stuff in Genesis 1 about the creation of man and, and woman, but, but in Genesis 2, we have, starting in verse 4, we have this account. This is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now no scrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God did not send rain on the earth, for there was no one to work the ground. Isn't that interesting? Plants weren't growing yet because God hadn't created people to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. This is such a cool passage. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food, and in the middle of the garden were the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then skipping down to verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? Work it and to take care of it. At the very beginning of creation, God, you can see through his strategy of creating the heavens and the earth and the animals and all of the, all of the plants and all of the things that grow, he was then planning on putting humankind in the garden to be able to then work it and take care of it. He created work, and when he was done, he said, it is very good. It's part of us being in his image. In chapter 1, it says he created man and woman in his image, and he gave them the authority to rule over the earth. That's part of work. In his image, we do our thing, and part of that is working. And by the way, this was before the fall, the fall, where Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. And then in chapter 3, we hear the curses that were given. And one of the curses, the curse to, to man in, in, uh, in chapter 3, uh, let's see if I have it written down so I can read it to you. Uh, the the uh, curse to man, he said, because you listen to your wife, <laughs> never a good idea, this is the way God started it. 
because you listen, I know it's such an easy joke, isn't it? You listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Go back and read that story if you're unfamiliar with that. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You're going to eat the plants of the field, but it's going to produce thorns and thistles. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground from which you were taken. Work just got harder because of sin. Everything got harder because of sin. But God's original plan included this idea that we would put our hands to the creative task and carry on the work that God did when he created the whole world. So work is something that God has created, and it is good. So when we sort of see work as, well, work's awful. Mondays are terrible. I like when I'm on retreat. I like when I'm at church. I like when I'm on vacation. I like Friday nights. Thank God it's Friday. Hump day. I'm sliding downhill through my work week. When we have those kinds of attitudes about how awful work is, but my real self, my real life is this other place, this other part of me, this other uh, physical reality, geographical reality, or emotional reality. When we think Work's terrible, but the real me is this spiritual person over here or this not working person over here. That's not a biblical view, friends. So we have to kind of get our heads around, oh, okay, so the thing that I do more than anything else in the world except sleep, work, is important to God and was created by God, and i got to pay attention to what that means for me. God created work, and because of that, it's good. So second part, God created work, one. Two, as part of his work in the world. God created work as part of his work. It's part of his work in the world. And you kind of heard that from what I said. You see, in Genesis, this idea that he put that man in the garden, even before the, the, the woman was created, he put man in the garden to work it and to cultivate it. It was a sustaining job of what God had already created. He was working alongside God. He was part of God's work. It was an extension, if you will. It was a delegation, if you will, of God's creative masterpiece. This is what I absolutely loved what Ben said when I interviewed him just a moment ago, where he, he said that, that he loved the creativity of being in this, this work. That does not surprise me. Anybody who's involved in the arts, anybody who solves problems for a living, even if it isn't counseling someone off of the street, they can put this God thing to it like, I'm being creative. Well, friends, that... When you, when you create, you are getting in touch with about the closest thing that you have to who God is. God created you in his image, and creating something is part of who, what you're going to be about. This is part, work is part of being his work in the world. I want to say this. Our work is serving God. It's serving Jesus and therefore, it's part of his work in the world. So we think God's working in the world, and I make video games. God's working in the world, and I go and do scientific research. God's working in the world, and I'm retired, and I'm caring and loving for the people in my neighborhood. Like, we just think God does his thing, and then I do my thing. Friends, this is, we, we got to cross paths here. When we work, we're actually part of God's sustaining power and influence in the world. I know this because of some of the verses in the New Testament. Look at Colossians chapter 3 with me. 
Colossians 3, he was writing to a number of people about how they live for the Lord, um, Paul was, in, in, in this city. But at this point, he was, just, he was mentioning the slaves. This is the lowest class possible in their socioeconomic system. And he says to them, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as, if working, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Work at it with everything you have. Like, now you're working for the man. You're working for the Lord, since you know that you're going to receive an inheritance from the Lord, you're going to be rewarded for what it is you do because your work is part of God's work. And so you're going to be rewarded not just with a salary, you're going to be rewarded with an inheritance from God. You're going to be rewarded with spiritual blessing for doing your work. It is, and then it says it in black and white, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's Jesus you're serving when you go to do what you do. Now, I know this is hard to get our heads around. When we look at our work and we think about our attitudes there and we think about the fruit that comes from it or doesn't or we think about the little, um, the little bit of, of uh, influence we have in this, the work that we do, we just think, That's, I'm not really doing God's work. Friends, the, the scriptures, I, I beg to tell you, the scriptures say differently. Philippians 2.13 it's the verse where just before it talks about how we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We work it out. We live out these as saved people. And then it goes on to say this, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God is doing his work and he's accomplishing his will and he's accomplishing his pur purposes. And so what you put your hands to is doing his will and his purposes. You with me? God created work as part of his work in the world. So how, I just want to, before I run out of time, I want to make sure that you see some of the ways how. How does this God stuff happen when we work? What are the reasons why that God would have designed work? And how is it that, that, that God's work happens when we work? A couple of thoughts. This is really the theology of work. How, how does God's work happen when we work? One, human needs are met. Human needs are met. This is a God thing. He's loving and sustaining the world. That's what God is about. And when we work, it's part of us loving and sustaining the world. The world we're making the world go around by the, the, the jobs that we have, the vocations and the work that we do. We're partnering in it. At the very least, the world's going around because when you work, you're providing a salary for yourself. Some of you are providing a salary for other people. Uh, at least... We're providing salaries so that then we can buy shelter and food. The very least, human needs are being met there. But it's more than that. There is this partnering that happens in the world taking shape. There's joy, friends, when we start tapping into this idea of how it is that the work that we do changes the world. Now, this is a challenge for some of you, and it's going to throw some of you into an existential crisis. Because if you make plastic parts... You're going to be like, I, 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 I don't know how that meets human needs. Well, you're going to have to do the work, and I'm sure that you have. I'm sure you've done it to some degree. And trace that thinking all the way down the line to where you realize that what you're a part of is meeting the needs of people in the world. If you're making plastic parts, it could be because it's making toys which are then given to children, which create joy, which, friends, is part of God's heart, and you cannot demean that. Are you with me? 
You're making video games. The creativity that you're doing in making video games provides this joy for people, this entertainment for people that is super great. It could also be that in making plastic parts or making video games that you're like, eh, it's hard for me to see the end goal. In fact, I saw there's a commercial on TV right now. I don't know why. It must be on the channels where I watch the, the Warriors games, but I've seen, it, I've seen it a lot, and it's about, I think it's a bank commercial. I don't know. Commercials when you don't know what the commercial's for is not a good commercial. <laughs> but it's about a, these guys who are making boxes. Have you seen this commercial? And they're finding joy in making the best boxes in the world. Somewhere along the line, they've done the work to say, our mission is not just to make cardboard boxes, but to make ones that work for our people so that when they carry stuff, it works. Right on. We cannot put ourselves in a place of demeaning one kind of work over another. The point is boxes are being made in this world so that the world functions. You with me? And if you can get your head around serving Christ in that and making a great box, then people carry stuff with integrity and with success. And it could be that in the middle of that, you're like, I don't know. We make a good box, but here's what we do. We provide a living because of how smart we are at making boxes and how good our boxes are. There's such a market for our boxes that our company's growing and we are helping 600 families eat. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that could be the place. Human needs are met when we work. The world's going around by our work. And when we tap into it, we find incredible joy, whether we can figure out how it is that making boxes gives us joy or what God's able to accomplish through the team that's making boxes. When we tap into that God is doing his work, it is incredibly joyful. Can you, can you understand, too, the frustration, I know you can, of the opposite, that when we can't tap in to what it is that, that, that human needs are being met, then we're going to find all kinds of a loss of motivation and joy. I think of some of the folks who talk to me about their struggles with retirement, that when they retire and they find themselves only living for themselves in retirement, it's incredibly deflating. Instead of their retirement being that they pursue some other work in sustaining uh, this world and meeting human needs, then they're incredibly joyful. But nobody was built to work for however many years till they got a pension and then they could play golf by themselves every day. The folks that are finding joy in that, they're playing golf and loving people they're playing golf with and helping them understand the love and the grace of God. You know what I mean? There's something else going on. It's not about us. Human needs. Okay, I'm going to rush through these two. This is what happens when, uh, this is God's work that happens when we work. Two, there's redemptive and, and restorative change that happens. Redemptive and restorative change that happens. Not only are human needs being, being, being made, but further, being met, but further, we're making the world a better place. This is the, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're serving Christ's purposes, even when Jesus isn't named, we're serving Christ's purposes, not just in meeting basic human needs, but in, in, in actual, and actually bringing about healing and restoration and kingdom values to the world. So I would challenge you even further not to just get in touch with what human need is being met, boxes are being made, but, but what kingdom value, what restorative, redemptive, kingdom of God kind of value is happening through your work, that people are getting healed, that people are finding security, that people are being able to spend time with their families, some of these kinds of things that might um, help us get, tap into that. Um, I was talking with somebody once who was selling mortgages, 
And selling mortgages got a bad reputation for a while because it felt like they were taking advantage of people for their own benefit. But this person sells mortgages and they absolutely love setting somebody up with a good mortgage because of the financial wisdom, the stewardship involved, the way that it invests in their future, the way that it takes care of their family, the way that they are using their resources strategically. You hear, you hear how the person can get excited about a redemptive kingdom value in selling mortgages? Third He's magnified when we use our gifts. This is the work that happens. This is God's work that happens when we work. God just gets magnified. God shows himself to the world. A person fully alive shows the world God. When you use your creativity and you use your passion and you use the things, I think Valerie said it, she said, I, 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 I think I've been given certain gifts. I gotta work in this service industry. I gotta serve people, meet their needs. When that happens, you light up the board. Everybody goes, what's your deal, man? Like, I see, feel God's presence in that. For the love of God is shared when we work. The love of God is shared. The platform for relationships has been talked about. The love of God gets shared when we work. We work in community. We work in teams. We work on these, these, in these industries and in these vocations where we're connected to people. We sell something so that we have a relationship with them. We buy stuff. We have a relationship with them. It's a platform for loving people. Listen, following Jesus, not super big rocket science. Here's the deal about following Jesus. If all you did following Jesus is showed up and decided you were going to love the snot out of everybody you ran into today in your work, that'd be it. And somewhere along the line, somebody's going to go, what's your problem? And you go, yeah, it's Jesus. And they'll go, okay, well, one of these days, I might have the courage to look into that. I mean, that's all you got to do. And last, kingdom work is funded. This is the work that happens when we work. Kingdom work gets funded. The kingdom of God gets funded. We're actually dollars and cents. The world we're living in is funded with dollars and cents. So your kingdom work is funded. Your world, the kingdom of God, the way that you're submitting yourself to the kingdom of God, you have a household income, you've got a salary, you've got savings, you've got a way to give Give money away. Ephesians 4 talks about, hey, you better get a job and work so that you have something to share with somebody who needs it. So there's this, your kingdom work is funded. We fund this collective work together. What God's doing in Marin Covenant, through Marin Covenant, around the world, we fund that together. Our budget is huge. It's a lot of money. And what God is giving you the opportunity to work to help fund what we could never do individually, but what we can do all around the world. The kingdom of God is funded, and it's not unspiritual at all. So God created work, and he created it as part of his work in the world. And then I'm going to focus on these next week, but I want you to see the full definition. And then he gave you your work to work with you. Look at that whole definition. God created work as part of his work in the world, and he gave you your work to work with him. He gave you your work to work with him. God created it. It's going to be part of his work. And then he gave you your work so that you work with him. This time tomorrow, friends, in the end, is not about working for God. There's just a few of us that get to do that. It's not about working without God. Because when we separate the who we really are with our work, we're in trouble. It's about working with God, about working with the presence of God in the place that he has called us and put us and landed us. What's one thing you could do this week 
to recalibrate, to reboot, to remind yourself that as this time tomorrow, you're with God. And he created work and called it good. And your work with him is good, is, is, is part of his work. And he gave you that job to be with him. What's one thing you could do to remind yourself of that tomorrow? So that you don't separate it up. You don't go live as Phil. <laughs> but that you fully incorporate the God who loves you and has rescued you and that you have a relationship with and you incorporate that relationship into being with him at work. What's one thing you could do? I'm going to challenge you to set an alarm on your phone, write something down, and at 10.17 tomorrow, pause and invite Jesus to be at work with you this time tomorrow. I'm going to go even further. Do you see this hashtag? For those of you that are social media people, you may have seen at camp that we did. Do you remember that thing at camp where we, we hashtagged MCC camp? And we got, uh, you could see a, kind of a, if you searched it on your social media platforms, on Instagram and on Twitter, that is, not on Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter, we did MCC camp. And so every picture we took and tagged MCC camp, it came up on this slideshow. And so when you searched it, uh, you could see all of these pictures. I would love for us to start to get a sense of all the places and all the things that God is doing at, uh, at Marin Covenant, but this time tomorrow. So I'm going to send out a reminder on our email blast. I'm going to write about it in our devotional on Wednesday. But maybe tomorrow at 1017, or if you don't get around to it and you forget, Tuesday or Wednesday, you get on your, your, Insta, your Instagram or your Twitter, and you take a picture of your workplace, you and the, the, there, your favorite worker, something you're doing in the morning, and you hashtag MCC this time tomorrow. And we're going to start celebrating all the things that God is about and that God is doing. And it may be a great reminder for you to... Uh, to bring God to work. Now stand together. Let me give you this benediction and send you out. Did any of you have the joy of bringing your dad to work when you were a kid on bring your dad to work day? Bring your mom to work, I mean, not work, to school. Bring your dad to school, bring your mom to school. Do you remember those days where the dad sat in the little chairs and read books? stood up front and introduced the dad to the, everybody at school. Can you bring God to work tomorrow? Bring him right into the cubicle. Bring him right into the tasks that you're in. Walk with him. Let him share it, what it is that you do. And may he give you a deep and rich understanding of how it is that what you do is God's work and that you're his person that he's glorified, and that fruit would come from it. Be God's people, not only today, not only now as we've worshipped, but this time tomorrow.